What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Alright, so tale of the tapes. Podcast episode number 17. I do just want to state that it's mid-May and I'm still sitting here in a winter hat and it was just hailing today. So I don't know what the fuck is going on, but it's hailing in mid-May. I'm still wearing winter hats. I still have the heat on in my house. This is like fucking retarded, but today we are covering MC Light and the Jungle Brothers. MC Light and the Jungle Brothers. Both of these artists had their debut albums out in 1988. MC Light was first, so we will start with her. Birth name is Lana Michelle Mora. Born October 11th, 1970. In Brooklyn, New York, the United States. Genres hip-hop. Years active are listed as 1988 to present. I believe her last album was like four or five years ago. She had a, a long stint where she went without putting out any music. And then I do believe she put out at least one album in the past five years or so. So um, she is still active to a certain extent. And I also believe she's not the first female on here. But I believe she's the first solo female. Because I believe the only females we had on here up to this point on my podcast was... uh. Salt and Pepper, and they obviously were a duo. Neither of them had uh, a solo career or anything like that. Um, so let's get into a little bit of background on MC Light. Lana Michelle Moore, born October 11th, 1970, better known by her stage name MC Light, is an American rapper who first gained fame in the late 1980s, becoming the first solo female rapper to release a full album with 1988's critically acclaimed Light as a Rock. In her artistic career, she published a total of eight studio albums, obtaining a Soul Train Award and two Grammy nominations. So, I mean, right off the bat, man, pretty big things. There's not that much there, but there's definitely some significant things there. Um, I, I was right, I believe, with her being the first solo female rapper. Again, we had uh, Salt and Pepper, but... She's the first solo, and, you know, she re- received the Soul Train Award. She received two Grammy nominations. Um, she had eight albums. You know, a lot of good things there from her, and, and a first. I mean, when you're the first to do anything, you know, obviously, you're probably going to get at least a decent score on your impact category there. So, uh, with the little background out of the way, let's go to MC Light's list. Let's hit random, and this is MC Light Keep On Keeping On Remix. Excuse me. Remix. Come and get your supper Before I make you suffer That's when you had enough of yeah. Can I get hot when you hit the jackpot? Surely I can if you the man I get loose and produce large amounts of juice Can you get used to that or do you need a boost of energy To enter me and get it on? You're getting warm, I can feel you getting closer Now baby, down this mimosa You better believe it's time to give a toast To the woman of the decade, too bad to be played Get vexed and I'm bound to throw shade All over your body, whose body? Your body, I can rock a party like nobody Leaving time and take home 
your love in the light. Life ain't all that unless you're doing it right. Come on. Okay, so I let the whole verse rock out for a couple of reasons. Um, there was a lot of run-on bars in there, and I don't really like pausing in the middle of run-on bars. I know I had been doing it prior, but I, I want to try to stop doing that. There's a couple of reasons for that. I noticed this problem when, when we dissected Slick Rick, which, ironically enough, is the one episode that wound up getting deleted, and I did redo it, but I didn't redo the song breakdown, so you might not fully understand what I'm referring to, but... Breaking down Slick Rick's song like that, it, it was hard to do it justice because the whole song was one big story and, um, you know, stopping every four bars or, you know, every eight bars and stuff and just reading little sections of it at a time. It's not that it made it bad or anything. It's just that it, it is taking away from the overall flow of the song. And there were a lot of run-on bars and stuff in this first verse, so I, I didn't want to cut in the middle of those. I wanted to just let it rock. Um... So that was the first verse in the hook there, and she says, B-boy, where the fuck you at? I've been looking for your ass since a quarter pass. Now, again, that's one of those scenarios where bar one doesn't rhyme with bar two. Bar two just rhymes with itself. So it's not a bad line. Again, it's nothing she would lose credit for. It's not trash or anything like that, but it is just ass and pass, which is just one syllable and uh, one rhyme, and like I said, there was nothing on the first bar, it's just the second bar had two words that rhymed with it in itself. Hot peas and butter, baby, come and get your supper. Before I make you suffer, that's when you had enough of. So, that actually seems like it's a run-on bar right there. It seems like she's gonna go into whatever you had enough of, but she doesn't, and she goes into, can I get hot when you hit the jackpot? So, Couple of things with that line. You have butter, supper, suffer, and enougha, which is four two-syllable rhymes in the two bars, which is pretty good in itself. Um, the line seems okay when she says, hot peas and butter, baby, come and get your supper before I make you suffer. That's when you had enougha, and it just ends there. So it's like, you're just saying something to rhyme with suffer and supper and stuff like that. Had enough of what? You didn't finish your sentence. If you did finish your sentence, it was going to be a run-on bar. So, again, good with the four double-syllable rhymes, but use the shortcut to make it work, which kind of cancels each other out, and you have the one in the beginning where bar one didn't rhyme with anything, just bar two rhymed with itself. Then she goes into, can I get hot when you hit the jackpot? Surely I can if you're the man. So that's another scenario where bar one has two one-syllable rhymes on it because it's just pot out of jackpot she didn't rhyme jackpot she just rhymed hot with pot so you have that in the first bar and then in the second one it's surely i can if you the man which is another two one syllable rhymes in the bar so it's another scenario where it's another shortcut and it's just one syllable rhymes i get loose and produce lots amounts of juice can you get used to that or do you need a boost of energy to enter me and get it on you're getting warm I can feel you getting closer. Now, baby, down this mimosa. Again, it's hard for me to even say these bars with you know, while I'm taking a pause. It starts off really good. I get loose and produce large amounts of juice. So on one bar, you have three rhymes, and the line itself makes perfect sense. She didn't 
say random shit that just rhymed in order to throw rhymes in. It makes perfect sense. So that's a pretty good ball right there. And then it goes into, can you get used to that or do you need a boost? Which is a run on bar, continues on to, of energy to enter me. Which energy, enter me is three syllables and you have two or three syllable rhymes on the one bar. But again, it's another run on bar and then she says, enter me and get it on, you're getting warm. I can feel you getting closer. Now baby down this mimosa. So it's again a scenario where bar one rhymes with itself and then bar two rhymes with itself as opposed to bar one and two rhyming with each other. Then she goes on to, you better believe it's time to give a toast to run on bar. The woman of the decade, too bad to be played. Get vexed and I'm bound to throw shade. So you have decade, played, shade, three one-syllable rhymes on the two bars. Now, as far as what she's saying in the majority of this stuff from beginning to where we're at right now, there really isn't anything wrong with a lot of these lines. She's she's making sense. She's not being totally, you know, random where she's all over the place. She's basically mostly talking about herself. Can you handle me? Um, stuff like that. So there hasn't been any bad lines or anything that didn't make any sense or anything like that. But we're looking at run-on bars or shortcuts on pretty much every single bar here. There has been a couple of times with the, the three syllables on the rhyme and the, the four double syllables on the two bars. So there is little signs of good things here, but it's definitely being overshadowed by run-on bars and shortcuts for the most part right here, right now. That ended with I'm bound to throw shade, and that's another run-on bar that leads into all over your body, whose body, your body, which your body and your body are the same thing and don't rhyme. So it's just body, body, body. I could rock a party like nobody. Again, body. Um, you know, I get what she's trying to do, use body in kind of a different fashion, but it's not a homonym or anything. It's the same word. You know, just because you're adding a different word in front of it that doesn't rhyme doesn't really change the word or even the definition or meaning of the word that you're saying. So, again, not the best bars there. Leaving time to take home the loot. Choosy about who I let knock my boots. So... This this is a pretty good line. Again, it's only loot and boots. It's one one-syllable rhyme, but she's basically saying, I'm leaving time to make money because I'm not just out fucking everybody. You know, leaving time to take home the loot, choosy about who I let knock my boots. So that's, that's one of her better lines in there. It's not a run-on bar. Again, it's not a great line. It's nothing complicated, but... It's one of her better lines in the sense that it really doesn't have anything negative in it. Again, you could say it's just one rhyme per bar and it's one syllable on the rhyme, so it is basic and simple, but no run-on bars, no shortcuts. It makes sense. The bars lead into each other well. And then she finishes the verse with, Now let me take sight while you're loving the light. Life ain't all that unless you're doing it right. Kind of the same as, as right before it. You know, this one you have three one-syllable rhymes as opposed to two one-syllable rhymes. But again, pretty simple stuff there. They make sense. They lead into each other well. It's nothing great, nothing spectacular, nothing mind-blowing, no crazy lines in there or anything like that. I don't I don't think that that verse was warranted for her to lose points on. I, I think it's borderline because it's a little difficult for you to have an issue on almost every single bar in the verse where it's either a run-on bar or it's a shortcut or something like that. But I, I think she did enough in there with some decent lines and you know four double-syllable rhymes and she had the one where it was the three three-syllable rhyme. So 
I think she did enough there to keep it even, but I do think that there was more negative on that verse than positive. And then to the hook, which is obviously an R&B type hook, you have the singing on the hook, and then we'll get into her second verse. Okay, so off the top of my head right now, before we even sit down and, and break this down, that verse was definitely way better than the first verse. So she says, beware of the stare when I step in the peace. I come in peace, but I got shit that need to be released. These are good bars right here because you have beware A of the stare A when I step in the peace B. I come in peace B, but I got shit that need to be released B. So you have an A-A-B-B-B rhyme pattern. You also have five rhymes on the two bars. They lead into each other well. They make sense. And there's also a play on the word peace where this actually is a homonym. She's talking about stepping into peace, you know, in the place. And then I come in peace, you know, peaceful. So beware of the stare when I step into peace. I come in peace, but I got shit that need to be released. That's definitely two good bars right there. They lead into each other while they make sense. You got to play on the word. You got five rhymes, all one syllable. But again, you don't have to have many syllables on the rhymes to do something good. So this verse off to a good start right here. Now who from the chosen shall I choose? Yeah, now you wish you was in his shoes. Again, choose and choose just one one-syllable rhyme on each bar there. But again, this is a good line. I like her play on the words here. Who from the chosen shall I choose? So basically, you know, if I'm out in a place, or, and I'm just trying to give an example. I'm not saying that this is exactly what she means, but I'm trying to give an example. You know, if she's saying I'm out at a place and there's certain people in there right off the bat that I look at and I know yes or no. Nah, I would never even talk to this person. Or yes, I think this dude is good looking or, you know, I like his outfit. Whatever the hell it may be. So you have your batch of chosen people that she's got in her eye that she, you know, possibly would, would want to talk to or fuck with or whatever the case is. And she's saying, now who from the chosen shall I choose? And then, you know, kind of insinuating that she picks one and she's saying to the others, yeah, now you wish you was in his shoes. You know, kind of, I gave you a chance. I had a batch of people that I narrowed it down to and you all had the same chance, but now that this guy earned the spot, you wish you was in his shoes. Then she goes on to say, I found me a new nigga this year that knows how to handle this here. Again, a pretty good line. It's this and this, 
So it's really just year and here on the rhyme. But this is a pretty good line. They lead into each other well. They make perfect sense. It's not a specific topic that she's talking about where it's like a story or something that she really has to stick to. But for the most part, I mean, most of these bars from the beginning of this song are kind of her bigging herself up in a in a sexy kind of positive kind of way and talking about, you know, what dude she would or wouldn't get with or who she would allow to do what to her and who's worthy of it and stuff like that. So the general theme here on this song has definitely been kept. She hasn't gone, you know, out in total left field and started talking about totally random shit. Then she goes into, Now I look forward to going home at night. Brother does me right under the candlelight. Pretty simple line here. Um, you have night, right, and light, which is three one-syllable rhymes on the two bars. So a little bit better than just having two. Nothing really negative about this. Again, the bars make sense. They lead into each other well. There's nothing special here. Mostly simple stuff. Wax upon my back. Can I handle all of that? I guess I can. Can I? Why not? If I want, I guess I can. Can I? More honey than a bumblebee hive. Pulling 69 ways in my archive. So again, keeping the general theme here, talking about wax on her back, can I handle all of that? I guess I can. Can I? Why not? If I wanna, I guess I can. Can I? So the way that she's kind of playing on the words of can I and wanna and why, guess I can, all that, again, can is just the same word, so it's not that she's rhyming a tremendous amount of things here, but I, I do like the little play on the words that she's putting here. We haven't had like a tremendous amount of run-on bars almost every line or shortcuts every line like we did in the first one. More honey than a bumblebee hive pulling 69 ways out my archive. Now, the more honey than a bumblebee hive, it's not a great line. It's not a bad line, but that's obviously very simple. And the more honey thing, I again, I get what she's insinuating. You know, I'm sweeter than a, than a bumblebee hive and whatever I get all that. It's not a great line, but... Then she has a little play with pulling 69 ways out my archive, insinuating like a 69, and you know, I got tricks up my sleeve and things like that. So, again, more good than bad here, and definitely better than the first verse. Sweet like licorice, sugar for my booger, juicy like high C or an icy. Now, these lines are pushing it, you know, sugar for my booger is obviously... It's kind of like an old nursery rhyme type of line, you know, like that. And then juicy like high C or an icy. Now, the juicy like high C is not bad. I, I get that's the second time she talked about like being juicy or wet or something like that. So, again, I don't know everything about this girl. I don't know what she's like. This could be a similar thing to a dude basically insinuating he's got a big dick. Maybe her shit is always wet and that's something that she's trying to kind of brag about. And again, it's not a bad line, but... The problem here is that the lines before it are also a little bit of a, of a reach or a stretch or whatever way you want to put it, and they only rhyme with each other. Sugar for my booger, the first one, and then you have juicy like high C or an icy. So bar one rhymes with bar one, and bar two rhymes with bar two, instead of bar one rhyming with bar two again. So we, we do have a little bit of a shortcut there, and we do have a little bit of a reach with lines. Then she says, I got shit to make your ass write a bad check. Because like I said, I ain't afraid of the sweat. Now again, kind of simple with just check and sweat, but a pretty good line. And it's the way, you know, she's delivering it. She's got this attitude, this whole song, where she's super confident. Or, you know, whether you want to say cocky or confident or whatever the case is. But, you know, I got shit to make your ass write a bad check. 
Meaning I'll get you to fucking do whatever I want you to do. Whether you got the money or not, you're going to give it to me because you don't want to lose me. Because like I said, I ain't afraid of the sweat. Again, she's insinuating multiple times that she's somewhat of a freak or she's good and bad or she ain't scared or whatever the case is. Um, whatever it is that tricks that she's got up her sleeve that she does in bed will have people, you know, writing checks that their ass can't cash. Beat on my drum if you feel the need to as I proceed to open up and feed you. Beat on my drum if you feel the need to is a pretty good line. Beat it, hit it hard. Beat on my drum if you feel the need to as I proceed to open up and feed you. So we have the three two-syllable rhymes on there. And they lead into each other well and they make sense. I'm sure everybody can understand what she's insinuating. Beat on my drum if you feel the need to as I proceed to open up and feed you. I got a longing to put you where you want to be. Ben Aki, I get rid of all company. So we have wannabe and company, which is three syllables on the rhyme there. And she says, Ben Aki, for anybody that doesn't know, I think that means like come here or come over here or something like that. I'm not definitely not fluent in any other languages, but I'm pretty decent with being able to recognize like generally common words. So again, you break it down. It's, it makes sense. It leads into each other well. And we do have three syllables on that rhyme instead of just one. So definitely for sure more good than bad on that second verse. I don't think it was enough to raise the song score just yet because I do feel like she was weighed down a tiny bit from that first verse. And the second verse did have some, you know, a run-on bar. It did have a shortcut. So there were a couple of little negatives in the second verse. But for the most part, she pretty well killed that second verse. It was all on point with the with a familiar theme she definitely had some good lines in there she had some pretty decent plays on words there was nothing amazing nothing tremendous but definitely more good than bad if she has another verse in the third verse the way that she did on the second i would say this would probably go to at least a little bit above an average song but she could have a verse worse than the first one so let's see how she finishes the song out and then we'll get into a scoring on it Lazy motherfuckers get put on probation. Uh, Those that didn't perform well, uh -huh. they gets no answer when they ring a ring of my bell. You're playing with my time, trying to jerk me, hurt me, then desert me. You better work me. Why you got the opportunity to be in the midst of the LYTE? Only the strong survive, only the wise excel. One said by my born in hell. Only the lonely die slowly. Left all alone, try to control me. Never speak my info of my shits in the street Cause that ain't cool And that ain't cute To talk about who knocked the boot on the video shoot But it's all good though You gotta get it when you want it Sight your prey, make you move and hop up on it It's natural Never be ashamed Fuck the fame, get the name and kick the game
Okay, so again, off the top of my head, I definitely thought that the third verse was also better than the first verse. I have to double check and we'll go over it and see if it was as good as the second uh, or whether it was able to raise the, the score of the song at all. So she says, Many have tried strict regulation. Lazy motherfuckers get put on probation. I mean, that is very self-explanatory. Those that didn't perform well, they gets no answer when they ring a ring my bell. Again, very self-explanatory. It's just bell and well. But she's just saying, listen, bro, if we fucked and you sucked, I'm not going to fucking answer you when you call me back. Plain and simple. And not for nothing, but I like this here because MC Light has an approach right here in this song where she's not being, you know, raunchy and disgusting. And I'm using those words, not saying that that's how I would feel if she was being, you know, vulgar or anything like that. But I think that she's doing a very good job on this song of talking about something that a lot of people could turn around and say, you're a slut or you're this or you're that. You fuck everybody and, you know, you're saying people that don't fuck you well. You don't answer their calls when they call back. But at the same time, again, she's not being like vulgar and disgusting or anything like that where it's, you know, she's not a little Kim saying, eat my pussy while I count money and stuff like that. So... I think MC Light is doing a decent job on this song of kind of normalizing sexuality for, for women in a sense of if guys could say that they fuck, girls could say that they fuck or what they like in bed too. That doesn't mean that you have to be classless about it or you have to be raunchy about it. Again, I don't think nothing's wrong with anything that Little Kim did. That's just my personal opinion. You know, this is freedom of speech. This is art. This is a way for you to express yourself. If you're saying that you want somebody to eat your pussy while you're counting money, um, not only does it not bother me, but I give you the utmost respect in the world for having the honesty to just admit what you want in front of the world. And that's not going away. You, you can't delete these songs. That's there forever. So if little Kim gets to be 60 years old and people say, what are you on a song talking about people eating your pussy for? I mean, listen, if you're confident enough in yourself that... You felt okay saying that and being honest. It's not easy to be to be honest about things like that in front of the whole world. So I get it. And I wouldn't knock her for being raunchy or being vulgar or anything like that. But I do just want to point out that I don't think that that's what she wants to do. And I think that she's found a good balance here of addressing an issue and speaking about something that's kind of taboo in a sense. But at the same time, not really crossing any lines of being ridiculous or, or being classless, at least for herself, not in her own mind. She goes on to say, you're playing with my time, trying to jerk me, hurt me, then desert me. You better work me. Pretty good line here. Um, you know, jerk me, hurt me, then desert me. You better work me. The jerk me, hurt me thing is it's kind of the same thing. I mean, you're really saying the same thing. You're trying to jerk me, hurt me. You're just kind of swapping one word out for the other. But again, she does have, you know, jerk, hurt, dessert, and work. So she does have the four rhymes on the on the two bars here. They are all one syllable, but again, to have that many rhymes in one or two bars like that and have it make sense, which is what she did in trying to jerk me, hurt me, then desert me, you better work me. Um, it's not an amazing line. It's not something that would carry a song or anything like that or raise it by itself, but definitely more good than bad. Now, that's a run-on bar. She says, while you got the opportunity to be in the midst of the L-Y-T-E. 
So again, it's a run on bar that leads into that. And then you just have the E and opportunity. You just have the, the very end of that. So it's the one syllable. Only the strong survive, only the wise excel. Once said by a man born in hell. So again, that's that's just something simple. There's nothing wrong with that line. There's nothing great at that line. It's just hell excel. And there's nothing special about what she said. Only the lonely die slowly, left all alone to try to control me. Now you have only lonely and slowly on the first bar. So that's dope because you have three two-syllable rhymes just on that one opening bar there. And then she says, left all alone, try to control me. Now, there's nothing wrong with left all alone, try to control me. She's kind of daring somebody like try to control me, but it doesn't have that much to do with the bar before it. It's not totally random. Only the lonely die slowly, left all alone, try to control me. But it doesn't lead in as great or tie in as great as some of her other things that she's led into. Easy does it, never ask how was it. Never speak my info of my sheets in the streets. That's another scenario where she has on the first bar does it and was it. So that's just does and was. So two one syllable rhymes. And then the second bar is never speak my info of my sheets in the streets. So it's again, sheets and streets, two one-syllable rhymes on the second bar. Bar one does not rhyme with bar two. Bar one rhymes with itself. Bar two rhymes with itself. So a little bit of a shortcut and a cop out there, but they lead into each other well. They have everything to do with each other. Again, she's kept the whole general theme in this song, but a little bit of a shortcut there because that ain't cool and that ain't cute to talk about who knocked the boots on a video shoot. So we have cute boot shoot, three one syllable rhymes on the two bars there. And that's just feeding off of the two bars in before it where she said, I would never speak my info on the sheets in the streets. Cause that ain't cool. That ain't cute to talk about who knocked boots on a video shoot. So basically she just saying, listen, we could do what we want, but we don't got to run around and talk about it constantly, but it's all good. Although you got to get it when you want it. Like your prey, make your move and hop up on it. So it's really just want and on, which don't technically rhyme, but I'm not going to give a shit for that because the way that she says it, it works in here. But it's just the two one-syllable rhymes on the two bars. But they lead into each other while this bar makes sense. It's all good, though. You got to get it when you want it. Like your prey, make your move and hop up on it. So, you know, she's basically comparing you sitting around and looking at who you want and thinking about who you want to kind of like a, a predator hunting prey. I'm going to sit there, I'm going to watch you, and, you know, and then I'm going to make my move when the time is right. It's natural, never be ashamed, fuck the fame, get the name and kick the game. So again, that alludes back to the point that I was making before where it seems to me that she does a good job on this song of talking about something that's kind of taboo for women to talk about, especially now this song was later in her career, but she still was born when she was born and raised in the time when she was raised and was making music in the 80s and stuff like that. So it was definitely a lot less acceptable for women to kind of just be straightforward and, and talk about things like this. You know, the further back you go, I kind of the less acceptable it was type of thing. I think today it's it's a little more um, accepting of women kind of being in touch with their sexuality and stuff like that. But again, I just think that she did a, a really good job here of talking about everything that she wanted to talk about without stepping outside of her character. It's not in her character to say things like Little Kim said, but you can tell. 
She's got a freaky side. She likes fucking around. She just doesn't like to make it public and go talk about it in front of everybody. Um, and I, I think she did a really good job with keeping that theme on here. As far as the scoring of this song, again, I would feel totally safe calling this song a one. It could be slightly above average. Again, if there's a handful of songs like this, two, you know, two or three songs like this in a row, I'm definitely calling one at least one of them good. Uh, I think, you know, it deserves at least that, but I, I don't really know that this song by itself could be called a good song. I'm not really sure that there was enough there to really carry this to a good song. It wasn't really an original or unique topic to something that would give it extra points. There wasn't really a certain one thing that she had to stick to or a story that she had to tell. Again, she kept a general theme. I thought she did a good job of that. I thought the first verse was definitely a lot more bad than good. There was way too many run-on bars. There was way too many reaches and shortcuts and stuff like that. She did have some of those in the second and third verse, but she had a lot less. And she also had some really good lines throughout the course of the song. Again, nothing mind-blowing, nothing great, nothing that would really carry it. But she definitely did have some good lines. She she showed some good parts of double-syllable rhymes or triple-syllable rhymes or four rhymes in, in two bars and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe a 1.25. Again, a couple of songs like this, maybe you call one good. But I, I didn't think there was enough in here to call this a good song by itself. I, I feel very safe and confident calling this a one for right now. You know, for the, the purposes of just breaking this song down for what it was today. Um... Now that you heard that, let's get into what I wrote down as I was studying MC Light and listening to her. MC Light was the first solo female rapper to release a full album. Early on, in general, she was pretty poor lyrically. Often only the last syllable in words would rhyme rather than the whole word, or sometimes words didn't rhyme at all. She did get better as time went on and had her fair share of dope lines, but she still finished just below average overall in that department. She dropped eight albums over a span of 27 years in the hip-hop game. They were all borderline good average albums. Of her 99 songs, none were great, but only one was weak while six others were good. As far as MC Light's impact on the hip-hop game, it's up there with the greats. She may not be a household name today, but whether you know it or not, she had impacts on artists such as Lil' Kim, Benefit, Jay-Z, The Locks, Big L, LL Cool J, Tupac, Cannabis, Diddy, 50 Cent, Memphis Bleak, Wu-Tang Clan, and many others. Surely she was doing something right. Although she did get a little contradictory at times throughout her career, maybe we can attribute that to how long she was in the game for. Maybe she changed as a person. That being said, she was pretty original for the most part, especially early on in her career. So I just want to elaborate on what I was talking about a little bit, where... I did see a change in MC Light. I did see a change where I would hear certain messages being sent early on. And then, you know, later on, she was kind of talking about something that she gave somebody shit talking for talking about earlier. Or, you know, don't use me verbatim with that example. Um, but that's just what I'm trying to say is it was things like that that kind of went on. But again... She's in the hip-hop game for 27 years. I believe 88 was her debut album, we said, and I, and I think she had an album as recently as 2015. So, 
I would expect to hear a little bit of change in, in her beliefs maybe a little bit. Now, I'm not saying that that means that just because you've been in there for so long that you do a 180. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't think that she did that. I did hear some inconsistencies in her message, but not enough for me to say, wow, like she did a total 180 and changed or she sold out to make more money. I didn't see that in her. There were some minor changes and minor discrepancies, but having listened to her entire career and studied her, I really do attribute that to the fact that she's been rapping for 27 years. You should expect to see some sort of growth as a person or some sort of change as a person mentally or in your writing style or in your beliefs or whatever the case is. Again, not saying that has to happen, but it's definitely not uncommon or not really a bad thing that it did happen. Getting into the math of what I just wrote, lyrics, she gets a 4.5. Album, she gets a 3.51 with zero classics. Song score is a minus 0.10. As we said, basically she had one weak song out of 100 and no great ones. Impact, she gets an 8.5. You heard the list of artists that she influenced. There's, it's a pretty decent number of names and there's definitely some very big names on there. But on top of that, we also spoke about how she, you know, had uh, two Grammys and um, what was it? A Soul Train Award. And she was the first solo female rap artist to have a, a full length album. So, I mean, you got some firsts there. You got some some records there. You got some things won. Um you got a good number of big names influenced there. So she gets an eight and a half in impact. Not very debatable to me. Definitely had a very large impact in more ways than one. And then originality, she gets a six and a half. Like I spoke about, there were some discrepancies. There were minor inconsistencies, but they weren't song to song. They were over a span of 27 years. And again, when you when you do when you're the first to do a bunch of things. There's only so low of a score that you really can get in originality. You know, when you're the first to do, you're the first solo female artist. So, I mean, that in itself is an original thing right there. Again, there's so many ways that you receive these scores that just her being the first solo female artist is not going to carry her to a nine and a half if she then turns around and starts copying everybody's music and taking lines from everybody and stuff like that. So I don't want to just make it sound like one thing, just bang, you're a nine and a half. But um, she was pretty good as far as originality is concerned and, and you know got a pretty well above average score there. You add all those numbers up, you divide by five, that gives you a final score of 4.58 which leaves her in 39th place overall of 117 artists done. Yay! So, uh, I mean, listen, big shout out to MC Light. Uh, I, I really only knew MC Light from Love and Basketball. Um, she had the song Light as a Rock, which was one of the main songs in Love and Basketball. Love and Basketball is one of, you know, one of my favorite movies of all time, probably. Uh, love that movie, and... Heard that song very many times watching that movie. Other than that, I knew of MC Light. I knew her name. I didn't really know how impactful she was. I didn't realize that she was the first solo female rap artist. I didn't realize the, the long list of big names that she influenced and stuff like that. And I never really listened to her music. The only song I knew of her was Light as a Rock from that soundtrack. 
Um, I had never heard anything else from her. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I was a fan of her. I can't say that I'm a giant fan of her. I'm not so I'm not sure that I really put any MC light songs on, you know, now that I'm done with her. But um I mean, listen, man. A score of eight and a half in impact, six and a half in originality. You know, I got nothing nothing negative I want to say about her. Another pioneer, you know, first to do certain things. Two Grammy Awards, a Soul Train Award, and things like that. So again, just big shout out to MC Light. Hell of a job there. Now moving on to the Jungle Brothers, who again also had their debut album in 1988. A little bit of a background on the Jungle Brothers. Jungle Brothers is an American hip-hop trio composed of Michael Mike G. Small, Nathaniel Africa Baby Bam Hall, and Sammy DJ Sammy B. Burwell. Known as the pioneers of the fusion of jazz, hip-hop, and house music, they were the first hip-hop group to collaborate with the house music producer. The trio released their debut album, Straight Out of the Jungle, in July of 1988. Their hip-house club hit single, I'll House You, was added to the album in late 1988 reissues. The single was the first non-Chicago hip-house record. It changed the course of hip-hop and dance music by expanding it. Fostered by cool DJ Red Alert, the Jungle Brothers' success would pave the way for De La Soul, A Tribe Called Quest, and eventually the Native Tongues Collective, which they founded. So a little a little bit of interesting stuff there with the Jungle Brothers. You, you can see how they, they blended genres and stuff like that. Again, you don't see the platinum records and the, the, all these awards and these crazy, crazy things going on. But you definitely do see how they paved the way for some big acts to come forward. We see how they, they blended genres and, you know, fusion certain things together. So, you know, obviously these are very original things. They seem like they're another batch of, of firsts here. We had MC Light as the first solo female artist. And now it looks like we're having the Jungle Brothers be the first at something as well. So a couple of firsts here today. Let's go to the Jungle Brothers list. Let's hit random. And this is Jungle Brothers getting money. I'll be getting money till the day that I'm done. I'll be getting money till the day that I'm done. I'll be getting money till the day that I'm done. Okay, so that first that first verse right there is Mike G. And he says, lace up a fatty of the greenery, bounce and check the scenery, anticipation of the raw fills up the whole vicinity. So you have greenery and scenery on the first bar, which is two three-syllable rhymes, but then on the second bar he just says vicinity, which the very end only rhymes. 
And I can't specifically say that they did it a lot with a three-syllable rhyme and then a, and then a one-syllable rhyme. I'm not saying that they do three-syllable rhymes every time, but I do want to make it a point that I remember when studying them that there were a lot of missed opportunities for stuff like that where they would say a three or a four-syllable word or line themselves up with a three or four-syllable rhyme and then just not take it and kind of go the easy route and just say vicinity because the last... E rhymes with scenery. It's not bad. They're certainly not going to lose points for that. The line itself is pretty good. Um, you do have three rhymes in the two bars. Two of the three rhymes are three syllables. Only the one is the one syllable. They lead into each other well. They make sense. It's a pretty decent line. It's not great. There's nothing special about it, but it's just kind of one of those blown opportunities where you could have had three three-syllable rhymes on the two bars there. Um, and you could have fed off of that and gone into whatever and just continued to climb. But then you have a scenario where it's, all right, we got greenery, scenery, and then it's uh, it's just vicinity. And then it kind of starts over and you pick back up where you left off. Legendary quotes from promissory notes, authentic fatigues wrapped around your throat. So we have quotes, notes, and throats. We have three one-syllable rhymes on the two bars there. And some pretty good artistry here. Legendary quotes from promissory notes. Authentic fatigues wrapped around your throat. He's basically saying, I'm not saying dumb shit. I'm, uh, you know, I'm dropping legendary quotes here, whether they're my quotes or they're quotes that I've gotten from leaders that I look up to or mentors that I look up to and stuff like that. And then he says, authentic fatigues wrapped around your throat. What he means by that is just the words that he's saying, you know, this is real shit. This is raw shit that I'm choking you with right here. Come in hitting like a hammer. My overuse of truthful grammar might send me to the slammer. That's definitely a dope line. Because hitting like a hammer obviously makes perfect sense. That alone by itself is not anything great or amazing. But it's not bad and it leads into my overuse of truthful grammar might send me to the slammer. Which definitely is a dope bar. And the one before it is not just a garbage bar to lead into the dope bar. It's still a pretty good bar before it. So those two bars right there are definitely good. You got hammer, grammar, slammer, three two-syllable rhymes on the two bars there. Lead into each other well, make perfect sense, and it's actually a good line. He's just saying, I say some truthful shit that could probably get me in trouble with the government, and I basically don't give a fuck. I'm going to say it anyway. So I got my alibi, so if the DA try to make me fry, I'll poke him in his eye. So you got I, alibi, fry, and I. So you have four one-syllable rhymes there. Again, this is nothing special, nothing amazing, nothing mind-blowing, but it makes sense. They lead into each other well, and he does have four rhymes on the two bars. But that ends with a run-on bar there, as he says, I'll poke him in his eye, and that goes into with a who, what, when, and why. Oh no, not I, done hit you up with the Jimmy, so now identify. So we have a couple of run-on bars there, and then we have I, which he had already said in the one before, so that really doesn't count as a rhyme, and then he has just Y and identify. So just the two rhymes there, again, not bad, they make sense, they lead into each other well, but nothing special here. Because whether dollars or yens, the five O's always want to apprehend a brother for doing his thing. Now, thing is a reach to rhyme with yens and apprehend, but again, he says it in a fashion where he makes it work. 
and it's a pretty good line. Whether dollars or yens, the five O's, the five O's always want to apprehend a brother for doing his thing. Five O's is obviously cops. If anybody doesn't know that, um, and he's basically just saying that it, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter America, Japan, China, fucking Europe, whatever the case is. This is what the cops do. You know, they want to come fuck with you for doing your thing, and it's not going to change anywhere that you go. Next verse is Africa Baby Bam. Hey yo, hot shots, rock spots, and smoke chocolate tie. Talking about getting money till the day they die. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Take money, money, take money, money, money. Soup getting chunky when you see my pocket fat. Enough to go around ten times and come back. Be the A double B on the thousand G bill. Circle it around from Brooklyn to Castle Hill. Right from the giddy, we call bank from the piggy. Cause we gave it to the raw down to the nitty gritty. People acting shitty when they see me counting 50s. Buying new sneakers. Yo, son, where'd you get these? Okay, so he says, Ayo, hot shots, rock spots, and smoke chocolate tie. Talking about getting money till the day they die. So you have hot A, shots A, rock A, spots A, and smoke chocolate tie B. Talking about getting money till the day they die B. So you have six rhymes on the two bars, and you have an A, 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 B, B rhyme pattern. Now, I want to point out that when we get these rhyme patterns going on, the more that those letters are mixed up, the more difficult it is. Notice how there's no A's in between the B's here. It's A, 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 B, B. Getting the A's in between the B's is usually a little bit more difficult, but... I do still want to point out that he does have a difference of a rhyme pattern here rather than it just being A, A, and then on to the next thing where you just have the one rhyme. So it's definitely, you know, not a very simplistic or basic bar. Ayo, hey, hot shots, rock spots, and smoke chocolate tie talking about getting money till the day that they die. Pretty good line, nothing special, nothing crazy, but, you know, with the six rhymes in there, they all are one syllable, but... He's got the difference of a rhyme pattern. He's got six rhymes in there. The lines leading to each other well, they make sense. So certainly more good than bad. Make money, money, make money, money, money. Take money, money, take money, money, money. Suit getting chunky. Well, you see my pockets fat. Enough to go around 10 times and come back. So he has suit getting chunky, which leads back to money. And then he has, well, you see my pockets fat. Enough to go around 10 times and come back. That's one of those lines where we've spoke about this before, where it's not to be taken literally. He's obviously making an over-exaggeration on purpose to make a point. Like I use Jada, Jada's line of, when my coke come in, they got to use the scale that they weigh the wells with. I like to use that as an example because obviously, whether you're fucking selling coke or not, you are not selling enough cocaine that you're weighing your cocaine with a fucking whale scale. That's obviously an exaggeration. And I don't think that anybody should turn around and say Jade is fake because he fucking said that he uses whale scales to weigh his coke and he's lying. It's an obvious on-purpose exaggeration to make a point. I think that's what he's doing here. It's a pretty good line. It's only back and fat on the rhymes, which is just two one-syllable rhymes on the two bars. But again, you don't need to have your bar chunked full of rhymes or chunked full of multi-syllables to get a good line. And this is a pretty good line. B to A double B on the 1000G bill. Circle it around from Brooklyn to Castle Hill. Pretty autistic line here. It's 
he's saying B B the A double B A double B is Africa Baby Bam on the thousand G bill. I'm assuming he's saying thousand G bill because it would usually be thousand dollar bill, but he's saying G, um, you know, as in gangster or or OG or whatever like that. So B to A double B on the thousand G bill. Circle it around from Brooklyn to Castle Hill. So you have B and G, which is A, A, then Bill, which is B, then circle it around from Brooklyn to Castle Hill, which is B. So you have an A, A, B, B rhyme pattern there. Again, he doesn't mix the letters up, so it's a little bit easier, but it's not just as simple as just an A, A. Just the one syllable on the rhymes there, and that's kind of just like a filler line in a sense where... It's basic, it's simple, it you know, it makes sense, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's there's nothing great about it. Right from the getty, we caught bank from the piggy, cause we give it to you raw down to the nitty gritty. So getty is a reach a little bit to rhyme with piggy and gritty. Um, but you know, whatever, we can give it to him. Three two syllable rhymes on the bar there. Pretty good line. Again, nothing great. I don't I haven't seen anything that would really like raise this enough you know, above average, but they're basically talking a lot. You know, they've, they've both referenced talking about truth, which I, I do remember them doing a, a pretty good job of in their career. You know, they made a lot. We talked about how they fused dance music and, and stuff like that. They did a good job of fusing and making songs that are clubby party type songs or that you, you know you can vibe out to and still bringing up important things in them. I, I do remember them doing a good job of that. Um, and then he goes into saying, people acting shitty when they see me counting 50s, buying new sneakers. Yo son, where did you get these? So that's the same rhyme scheme as piggy, gritty, 50s, get these. It's a pretty good line there. Uh, people acting shitty when they see me counting 50s, buying new sneakers. Yo, son, where'd you get these? So we got three two-syllable rhymes on the bars there. Again, the bars lead into each other well. They make perfect sense. Nothing amazing, nothing mind-blowing, but pretty good lines there. I do think that there was a little give and take in both of those verses. I wouldn't say one was really better than the other or outshine the other. I thought they were both, for the most part, average. I do think that there was definitely more good than bad in those verses, but I'm just not sure that there was quite enough good to carry it above average. But they go back and forth basically in eight-bar sequences here until the end of the song. So we started off with Mike G, then we just heard Africa Baby Bam just now, and then we're going to go back to Mike G again right here. Like Lynn after the hit, no one seen the brothers with the three shades of tint. Only a sign that they end like Flint and have been reached the extent. We use the brain as the furnace and the mouth as the vent. From the set off, we jump on the mic and go get off. Versatile styles, bursting back and forth. For the dealers and shakers, we fill the rhyme pages to catch the papers. We're packed with flavors. Okay, so Mike G says, brush off the comp like Lint after the hit. No one's seeing the brothers with the three shades of tint. So he's basically saying, you know, I don't care about the competition. I brush that shit off like lint, which is a pretty decent line. But then he says after the hit, and I can only assume that he's talking about hitting a blunt or something because I can't really make any other sense of that. Then he says, no one's seeing the brothers with the three shades of tint. And again, I would assume that he's talking about their skin color. They have the two MCs and the DJ, and they're probably all different colors. 
one darker than the next is darker than the next or lighter than the next or whatever the case is. So, again, nothing special there, but it makes sense. He's just saying, I brushed brush off the competition. No one's seeing the Jungle Brothers is essentially what that says. Only a sign they're in like Flint and haven't reached the extent we use the brain as the furnace and the mouth as the vent. Now, bar one doesn't really have that much to do with bar two, but bar two is a pretty good line. In bar one, he says, only a sign they're in like Flint and haven't reached the extent. I'm not really sure exactly what he means by in like Flint. Um, I don't think it's some massively, amazingly great line that I'm missing out on, although I'm sure he is referencing something um, and haven't reached the extent. And then he kind of randomly just goes in to say, we use the brain as the furnace and the mouth as the vent, which in itself is a pretty good line. You know, we use the brain as the furnace to, to as the fuel and the fire to light all this shit up and get all these things going. And we use the mouth as the vent. I mean, you know, how many times have you heard people say, you know, you want to vent, you want to get it off your shoulders, you want to talk about it. We use the mouth as the vent. And he's talking about a vent from a furnace where all the smoke would come out and shit. So nice little play on words there. Pretty good line. I do think that it's a, it's a little bit of a missed opportunity again to where they could have had the line before it kind of be better and have led into that that line a little bit better but again not something they lose points for definitely nothing negative that's a good line right there then he goes from the set off we jump on the mic and go get off versatile styles bursting back and forth so again we have another one of those scenarios where he says set off and get off which really is only the one the one rhyme with set and get, but it sounds like a double syllable with set off and get off. And then on the second bar, he just rhymes fourth. So it's a little bit weird because you have set and get that rhyme on the first bar, not off and off. And then on the second bar, he only rhymes with off and skips the set and get. So it's another one of those scenarios where I talked about only the last syllable rhyming as opposed to the whole word or maybe the rhyme scheme that they used on the bar before it. Again, there's nothing really great about these lines. They're okay. They're not bad. But a lot of times just throwing in things like kind of the rhyme from the set off, we jump on the mic and go get off. Versatile styles bursting back and forth. Pretty simple line. But again, it makes sense. There's nothing bad about it. From the dealers and shakers, we fill the rhyme pages to catch them papers. We're back with flavors. So you have shakers, pages, papers, flavors, four two-syllable rhymes on the two bars there. But again, a little bit random. From the dealers and shakers, we fill the rhyme pages, which really doesn't necessarily have anything to do with each other. To catch them papers does have to do with filling the rhyme pages. It's saying we fill the rhyme pages to catch them papers. We write these songs. We write these bars to get paid. We're back with flavors. So that makes a little bit more sense. It's still, they're still kind of listing some random things, but they're not random in the, in the sense that the two bars don't make sense. They do make sense. I get what he's saying. It's not being totally random and going out in left field there, but you know, kind of just throwing in some rhymes there to get some double-syllable rhymes as opposed to it just really leading into each other amazingly. A little bit more of a list of things there. Then we're going to get into another verse here from Africa Baby Band. Hit the lotto, that's my motto, stash the loot in the bottle. Fill my tank up with gas and then hit the bottle. Me and Mike G, lamping like Lamar and Rollo. Rocking the mic, 
ripping shit at the Apollo. Check the promoter for my quota. Money quits my thirst like Dr. Pepper soda. So again, Africa comes in there with a pretty decent line. You have lotto, motto, bottle, throttle. So you have four two-syllable rhymes on the two bars, and it's a pretty good line. They lead into each other well, the bars, they make perfect sense. Kick the lot, hit the lotto, that's my motto. Stash the loot in the bottle, fill my tank up with gas, and then hit the throttle. So he's basically just saying, I would love to get rich, but I want to hit the lotto. That's my motto. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sell out just to get rich. Stash the loot in the bottle, fill my tank up with gas, and then hit the throttle. Now, that could be taken metaphorically about anything, about his music. Fill my tank up with gas and then hit the throttle, you know, get ready and then start making this music. It could be taken um, as he's talking about life. Get ready to go and just fucking go. Don't even think about it. Just go. Do what you do. What you do. Go live your life. Go get your money. Go do this. Go that. I mean, any way you spin it, it's a pretty good line. It makes sense. That coupled with the four double syllable rhymes definitely makes it a solid two bars. Me and Mike G lamping like Lamar and Rollo, rocking the mic, ripping shit at the Apollo. Now, there's a couple of things here. I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about when he says lamping like Lamar and Rollo. The only thing that I know of with that is uh, basically a character, uh, Rollo Lamar, or Lamar Rollo, I don't remember, but it was just one name. It wasn't Lamar and Rollo. Uh, I believe it had something to do with like robbing a bank or something like that. Um, so I'm not really sure what he's insinuating there. And also, the way that he says the second bar, rocking the mic, ripping shit at the Apollo, he kind of says it off with the beat. He, he struggles with his flow. The problem in his in his line, it's crazy because a lot of times people have a problem where they don't put the correct amount of syllables in the line and they don't understand that. They don't understand why it sounds weird when they're saying it or they might not even realize that it sounds weird, but to other people it does. He actually has the correct amount of syllables on his line. He just said the word ripping a little bit later than he should have said it which then in turn caused him to have to kind of squeeze in the word Apollo at the end where there was really only room for one syllable left. You can rewind back and listen to what I'm saying, but a little bit of a struggle with the flow there. And again, the line is not really great. I'm not really sure exactly what he's insinuating when he says lamping like Lamar and Rollo. If it's something I'm missing, then, you know, my bad, but I, I, I don't, I looked into it and I didn't really find anything that, would make that a great line. Check the promoter for my quota. Money quench my thirst like Dr. Pepper soda. So this is an okay line, I guess. You have promoter, quota, and soda. So you have three two-syllable rhymes on the two bars there. But, you know, I, I, I want to say that Dr. Pepper soda is a cop-out, but he doesn't rhyme anything with Dr. Pepper. So while he may have needed the the four syllables right there before soda to fit in. He could have used any four syllables. So I'm a little inclined to believe here that he actually does like Dr. Pepper and that's why he said Dr. Pepper soda as opposed to saying something else that he could have said. So I I'm not sure that it's a cop out there and I'm not sure that he's saying Dr. Pepper soda just because it rhymes. I think he might be saying Dr. Pepper soda because he actually likes Dr. Pepper soda. 
again, I, I don't know that for sure, and there's really no way for me to find that out, but I'm led to assume that given that nothing rhymes with Dr. Pepper and there really wouldn't be much else of a reason for him to say Dr. Pepper other than needing four syllables, which he could have gotten from something else, I'm assuming that he likes Dr. Pepper Soda. Again, it's not a great line, but it's a pretty good line. And it's certainly more good than bad, which we've kind of seen a theme of throughout throughout this song so far. And then now we're going to get into the last verse here by Mike G. Recognized by the G at the end of the name. Put the aroma in the air when I spark a new flame. It was the DJs in the park that put a start to the game. That's what made me grab the mic and go seek fame. And put a shame to the MCs with sounds too lame. For the treasures I left, but I fall short of what? And God we trust, but I learned that that doesn't mean what? it can't be touched. Just if you're too slow, then you might get crushed or bite the dust. Bite the dust. Okay, so a couple of things with this last verse. Mike G says recognized by the G at the end of the name, the aroma in the air when I spark a new flame. Pretty decent line. I, I, I'm i pretty sure I get what he's saying. He, you know, he's saying that the G in his name insinuates that you're going to smell weed when he comes around, basically. Other than that, the G in his name doesn't really mean anything other than him using that for like, you know, gangster or OG or something like that. And the weed aroma when he sparks a new flame. It's just name and flame on the rhyme, so very simple. Two rhymes in the two bars, one syllable on the rhymes. It was the DJs in the park that put a start to the game. That's what made me grab the mic and go seek fame. So you have, it was the DJs in the park, A, that put a start, A, to the game, B. That's what made me grab a mic and go seek fame, B. So we have an A, A, B, B rhyme pattern there. We have four rhymes on the two bars. They're all one syllable, and he wasn't able to mix the letters up again. As I told you, it's harder to do A-B-A-B or some sort of mix-up of the letters. It's more difficult for you to go back and forth than it is for you to just do A-A-B-B. But that being said, again, there is four rhymes on the two bars. There is an A-A-B-B rhyme pattern, and uh, that's a pretty good line right there. It was the DJs in the park that put a start to the game. That's what made me grab the mic and go seek fame. So he's basically saying what got him started and what got him to the point that he's at right now. It was these people that paved the way for him and he's giving homage and pay, you know, paying homage and giving respect to those people that were the influence for him to get up and start doing this. And put a shame to the MCs with styles too lame. So you got shame and lame there. Now, when we count these bars, again, I've spoken about bar count. On bar one, we have name, then two is flame, three is game, four is fame, five is lame. You don't end your bars on an odd number. So he's going to be off with his bar count now because the line after and put to shame the MCs with styles too lame, the next rhyme, the next line should rhyme with that, but it doesn't. He goes into... For the treasures I lost, but I fall short of. In God we trust. So, that rhyme just rhymes with itself. 
which would put him back on in the count because right there it would be okay. You would end at six. So he kind of makes up for it there, but it's again, it's a shortcut where bar six is only rhyming with itself. It's not rhyming with bar five or bar four or three or two or one, which are all the same rhyme pattern of name, flame, game, fame, lame. Then he abandons that and in bar six just goes to for the treasures I lost but fall short of in God we trust. Then he goes after that in bar seven to say, but I learned that doesn't mean they can't be touched. Just if you're too slow, then you might get crushed. And then he has room after, and he has to repeat bite the dust three times because of the shortcut and the, the cut where he took at five, and he didn't rhyme a six bar, and then he could have went on to rhyme trust, touch, crust, dust. But he didn't do that because where he says lust and trust is on the same bar, which is bar number six, which should have rhymed with bar number five and didn't. So then he gets caught on an uneven amount of things and on his last bar he has to say or bite the dust, bite the dust, bite the dust or he would have to just kind of remain silent or whatever the case is there. So again, I spoke multiple times about bar count. This is not shit that I'm making up. These are not things that, oh, everybody doesn't have to fucking rhyme the same way. No, you're right, they don't. But you can find a way to be different while still following the certain things that you have to do. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean. This is called Tale of the Tapes, and I love boxing, so I don't mind making this comparison at all. Roy Jones is a perfect example of this, okay? There was a lot of things that Roy Jones did that were quote-unquote wrong, but Roy Jones used to fuck people up, okay? So, I could sit there and tell you, hey... Technically, bro, Roy Jones is not that great of a boxer. And I would have a valid point because technically he's not. He doesn't even really keep his fucking hands up. Okay? Roy Jones was really not that much of a jabber. A jabber is the most basic thing that any any trainer will tell you. You know, take a guy off the streets and if I'm going to give him something or if I want him to come with something, it's a good jab. A jab is extremely important. Roy Jones hardly ever even used the jab. Roy Jones would lead with uppercuts and shit like that, which is something that almost all trainers will tell you to never do. Now, the reason they're going to tell you to never do it is because it's dangerous and you're not Roy Jones. Roy Jones did shit that was wrong all the time and got away with it because of his speed, because of his athleticism, because of his timing. He knew when to do it and when not to do it. So there were intangibles that came with Roy Jones that you could teach somebody how to be a perfect boxer and they still lose to Roy Jones because he's too quick, he's too fast, he hits too hard, he's he reads the scenarios too well, his timing is too good, he knows when to do what, yada yada yada. But what happened when Roy Jones got older is he started taking some devastating losses because as he lost some of those reflexes and some of that quickness and as the game started to evolve and people that he was fighting started to better understand the sport, maybe a little bit more near the level that he did and their timing started to get better and things like that, he was not able to sit back and rely on his basics and his technicalities because they weren't there. He wasn't able to survive rounds off of using a jab. He, you understand what I'm saying? He wasn't able to apply these technical skilled things there because they were never there. He was getting away with not using them because he was so good in other areas. 
So that's the point that I'm trying to make here. Now, you could abandon your jab and still be a great fighter and still win a lot of fights. You could, you know, turn your hand this way and still be, you know, it, you might not be throwing the punch the right way, but you're so strong that you're still knocking people out when you're hitting them. These things are possible. What's not possible is for you to go into a boxing match and not throw any punches and win. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you can do things quote unquote wrong and get away with it as you can in hip hop. But you can't sit here and just not do something and not follow. You can't not follow rules. You can't go into a ring like Mike Tyson and bite somebody and get a win. You can't do that. It's against the rules. So you can do things your own way. You can have your own style. You can bend the rules a little bit. But you can't go into a boxing ring and not throw punches. Okay? You can't not be technically good and also not be fast and not have good timing and all that type of stuff and beat people that are good. It's not going to happen. So these are the points that I'm trying to point out is there are rules to follow and I'm not saying that they have to be followed every time in every bar by every person. Do your own thing. Do it in your own way. But you have to have a certain set of rules. Again, here's another good example. You can't come on a song and just start saying shit that doesn't rhyme, like dope things that don't rhyme, and then turn around and tell somebody, I fucking killed that song. Did you hear the shit I was saying? Well, I mean, the shit you were saying was crazy, but none of it rhymed, bro. This is rap. You're supposed to rhyme. I mean, that's the whole point of you making the song. This is not, you know, you, you weren't giving a speech. You were trying to make a hip-hop song. You're supposed to rhyme, bro. So yes, what you were saying was dope, but you have to find a way to rhyme that shit. And the better way that you can find to rhyme it where the bars make sense and lead into each other well and are about the same thing and have two, three, four syllables and six rhymes and two bars and shit. Now you're finding a way to say dope things and rhyme them and have multiple syllables and have a lot of rhymes and have the bars lead into each other well. And that, you understand what I'm saying? So while you can have your own style and do things your own way, you do have to show an ability to be able to follow basic rules and patterns. Plain and simple. As far as what this song was scored here, I, I'm actually excited that we just had this song. And I'm, let me explain to you why. The song was probably just above average. I would call it average. I'm going to call it average today because we don't score things 1.25 and things like that. Songs don't get that score in these studies. So if I got to call it a 1 or I got to call it a 2 right now, I'm calling it a 1 because it was certainly closer to a 1 than it was to a 2. I wouldn't argue with affording an extra quarter of a point or something like that because of one of those verses or because of the totality of those verses. There was definitely a couple of dope lines in there by both people. Mike G had at least one really good line and Africa had at least one really good line. But again, they both did a bunch of other things too. They both took shortcuts. They both had run on bars. You had the scenario at the end of the song where the bar count was off and something had to be repeated. Again, these are not major things. These are certainly nothing that I would say this is a weak song or they lost, you know, a lot of points or stuff like that or anything. I, I do think that there was more good than bad in that song. I will say that. But again, I'm, I, I don't think it was enough to really carry it. But the reason that I said that I'm happy that we had this song is because I like this song just now. I liked it. Like, I, this is a song that I would listen to. I would ride around in my car and bump this song. Now, am I going to go out of my way right now to add this song to a playlist? 
Probably not. I don't love this song, and there are so many songs that I do love that I can't really sit here and say, like, wow, I love that song. Let me go add that to my playlist. I didn't love it like that, but I liked it. I, I would listen to it again. I would enjoy listening to that song. It just was my type of vibe. I enjoyed it. I liked it. Did that mean I, I scored it a two or I scored it a, a two or a three or a good or a great song? No. Because the fact that I fucking like the song has absolutely nothing to do with what we're doing here. So I just wanted to point that out that this is one of those examples where I personally like the song, but that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that it's a good song just because I liked it. Technically, it was an average song. Um, also, I want to I talk about the hook. Now, the hook basically... He says, Mega bucks in armored trucks falling out the sky. I'll be getting money till the day that I die. Ask why we stay fly. I'll be getting money till the day that I die. Now, it's used kind of as a sample, but from what I gathered from looking all this stuff up is it's just kind of them sampling themselves. I don't think they were sampling anything else. It doesn't sound familiar to me from any other songs. Normally, I would know stuff like that. I'm not saying that I've heard every hip-hop song ever, but I can guarantee you I'm, I, I'm pretty close to having heard every hip-hop song ever. Um, and I really am usually very, very on point with knowing what lyrics are from what song, or at least at the very least, recognizing that that is from something. I didn't get that with this. I also looked it up. I looked into it, and I don't see any samples listed anywhere. It sounds like them to me, so I'm pretty sure it is them, but it's a little repetitive. They they do switch up what the rhyme is, where they say, Mega bucks and armored trucks falling out the sky, and then the second time they say, you ask why we stay fly. Um, but it is repetitive. They do say I'll be getting money till the day that I die. Definitely wouldn't lose points for it on this song. And I don't remember the Jungle Brothers being like that, where they just repeated one or two lines over and over again on their hooks off the top of my head. I don't remember them doing that. But again, I want to make another point of this. Their lyrics do not have to necessarily be about getting money. Every bar doesn't have to be about getting money, which it wasn't. And they don't lose points for that. But if every bar was about getting money, then they would get extra points for that. And I need you to understand that there are people who can have two to four rhymes per bar with dope lines and three to four syllables on every rhyme while still managing to make every single bar be about money. So those people are definitely going to get extra points for doing stuff like that. Again, the Jungle Brothers did not lose points for not making this song just be about getting money. You don't have to do that. Your songs don't necessarily have to always be about something. Or your verses or your or every bar doesn't always have to be about something. But again, if you can find a way to keep that topic every bar and still drop dope lines and multi-syllabic rhymes and a lot of rhymes per bar and all this type of stuff, you're gonna get extra points for that. So that's where you're seeing a difference of this is an average song or this is a good song and then you have another song where somebody makes a song about getting money and it's this crazy story about robbing a bank with a crazy twist at the end every bar has to do with getting money there's 10 to 15 dope lines in the three verses there's two three four syllables on all the rhymes that's where you're going to get a great song this is where there's separation so again i just want to point out those things now, as far as the breakdowns on these artists, they were scored individually. 100% of the MCs in the group qualified, so obviously the Jungle Brothers as a group qualifies, and um, 
only Africa had one solo EP or album or something like that. Mike G didn't. So there really wasn't much separation between these two. They were very, very, very similar. And we'll, we'll get into more of that in a second. But I want to talk about how, as far as information on the internet, there's a lot more information on the internet on Africa Baby Bam than there is on Mike G. So I don't have much to give you on Mike G from the internet. I, you know, I have my own stuff that I wrote down, but I just want to point out why you're going to get a little bit more of a background here on Africa Baby Bam than you are for Mike G. So Africa Baby Bam birth name is Nathaniel Philip Hall, also known as Africa Baby Bam, born May 22nd, 1970 in Brooklyn, New York, United States. Genres are listed as alternative hip hop, golden age hip hop, and jazz rap. And years active are listed as 1987 to present. I don't remember when their last album was. I know Africa Baby Bam did have his solo thing that he put out in 2014. So that was about six years ago. I don't think either of them have had anything since. And I think there was a decent gap in Jungle Brothers from their last album to Africa Baby Bam solo project in 2014. I'm not 100% sure about that, so don't quote me on that. But as far as being present, like I said, about six years ago is the most recent thing that either of them have put out. Nathaniel Hall, better known by his stage name Africa Baby Bam, is an American hip-hop artist born in Brooklyn, New York, and was part of the hip-hop group The Jungle Brothers. He was named in honor of Africa Bambata. He is also known as Africa, Baby Bam, and most recently Bam. He now travels the world as a nomad. So, I mean, that background right there, it's not much, but it's super interesting. I mean, you got most of what you're going to get when I read the background on the Jungle Brothers. That's really the most information that you're going to get on these guys um, as far as, you know, internet stuff and what they did as, as a group and musically and things like that. Again, not too much there. I, I talked about his solo career that, you know, hardly was really anything. So you're not going to get any accolades or, or um, you know, records broken or things like that. But again, I mean, it ended with them talking about how he travels the world as a nomad. And we heard them in their verses talking about speaking truth and stuff like that. So you can see what type of people they are. They, they've fused and blended genres and they're talking about speaking truth on songs that really might not sound like they're about that and he travels the world as a nomad so you kind of get a you know a vibe of very honest free spirit type of dudes here at least Africa Baby Bam and from what I got from studying them they were very similar characters both on and off the mic I'm sure they have their differences but you know from what I saw very similar characters Let's get into what I wrote down about Africa Baby Bam while I was studying the Jungle Brothers. I had heard of the Jungle Brothers, but can't say I had ever really heard any of their music. Both artists were able to keep a topic pretty well, but reached for most of the decent lines they did have and struggled at times to say something dope where the opportunity was there. For the most part, rhymes were relatively simplistic and usually only one syllable which left Baby Bam below average lyrically. He qualified eight albums for scoring throughout his 31-year career, seven with the Jungle Brothers and one collaborative EP with Austrian producer Mr. Dero. Of those eight albums, five were good and the other three were average. Of the 88 qualified songs released, none were great, eight were good, and five were weak. Africa's impact on hip-hop both with and without the Jungle Brothers was not a tremendous one, but he did have influences on artists such as Styles P, Method Man, and a couple of others. 
Bam was without a doubt an original artist from song topics and phrases to his image and message he conveyed. So I, I think I think the song was pretty decent as far as what you just heard for them, um, or at least for him. I pointed out in 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 what I wrote down here about how they they missed some opportunities, and we heard some missed opportunities where we had three syllables on the rhyme, and then they just rhymed the last syllable and stuff like that. Times where there was a pretty good line, but maybe it wasn't led into in the best fashion, or it got random, or whatever the case was. So I, I don't think we saw all of what I got from them in that song, but I do think we saw some of it. I think we saw some missed opportunities and, and things like that. So let's get into the math of what I just wrote. Lyrics, he gets a 4. Albums, he gets a 3.47 with 0 classics. Songs, he gets a minus 0.57. Impact, he gets a 5, which, again... A very little amount of names there as far as musically influenced. I wouldn't say that the Jungle Brothers as a group are a household name. Um, I also wouldn't say that they're a major name that anyone names when you talk about some of your top artists. You know, they were influential and impactful in their own way, which is why they did get a five. But I just think with the combination of not being a household name, neither guy really having any type of successful solo career a small list of artists that really either took something from them or showed a direct influence from them. I think it warrants an average score, um, you know, as far as overall impact. And then originality, he gets a nine. There's definitely no getting around that. Uh, both of these guys were very original in almost every way. Like I said, from song topics to even just certain phrases that he used, his image, his message that he conveyed, stuff like that. Uh, we already spoke earlier about how the group was the first to, to fuse and blend certain genres, so originality, there's a 9 there, no question about that, great scores in originality. You add all those up, you divide by 5, you get a final score of 4.18, which leaves Africa Baby Bam in 65th place of 117 artists done. So he's just behind, you know, in the, in the second half. Um, just behind the midway point, right in the middle there. But again, shout out to Africa Baby Band Man, a very original artist here. I personally enjoyed some of their music. Again, I wouldn't say I'm a fan. I wouldn't say I would go put these guys on and bang out to them from this day forward. But I respect these artists for sure. Big shout out to Africa Baby Band. And moving on to Mike G. As I spoke earlier, there was less public info on Mike G. So... We're just going to have to settle for my breakdown here on Mike G, which is neither Mike G nor Africa Baby Bam had much, if any, of a solo career. So it was hard to find much separation for the two. Both artists seemed to do a decent job of bar A leading into bar B in most instances. And while they mostly made party songs, they made sure they spoke a lot of conscious educational material as well. Overall, however, Mike G, like Bam, was below average lyrically. He qualified seven albums for scoring, all of which were with the Jungle Brothers, as he did not have any solo material. Five of those albums were good albums, and the other two were average. Of the 82 songs he qualified, none were great, while five were weak and another eight were good. While Mike G's impact on hip-hop music wasn't giant, he also had influences on artists such as Guru, Method Man, Snoop Dogg, and others. Mike G, like his partner, was also very original in most every fashion, and the two did a great job of blending genres. 
Again, a little bit more of what you heard when we gave the Jungle Brothers breakdown and a little bit more of what you heard in uh, Africa Baby Bam's breakdown. Like I said, there really wasn't much room at all for separation with these guys. There was, um, you know, Africa had the, the little solo project that he did with the Austrian producer. I believe it was only six songs. So he had an extra six songs than Mike G did and, you know, one extra project to be scored. But other than that, I mean, these guys were very, very, very similar. Like I said, both on and off the mic. So very, very little room for separation there, but there was some cost. Into the math of Mike G. Lyrics, he gets a four. Same as Africa. Albums, he gets a 3.48 with zero classics. Africa had the 3.47. Again, I want to point out, I'm not pinning these guys against each other. This is not a contest here. I just want to keep things in perspective of kind of you know, who's getting what in comparison to the other guy and where the separation was. So he gets a point one higher on his album score. And then songs, he gets a minus point six one, where Africa got a minus point five seven. We spoke about they both had five weak songs, but Africa had six more songs in total. So he had a smaller percentage. Impact Mike G also gets a five. There really was no difference there. We had the one other name where I believe Mike G said a line that had influenced something that Guru did, but nothing, you know, dramatic or big enough to cause any separation. So he also gets a five in Impact. He also gets a nine in Originality. No debate in that. No taking anything away from either of these guys as far as originality. Super, super, super original artist. Now, it's interesting to see. We spoke about how Mike G's album score is a tiny bit higher than Baby Bam's. And Baby Bam's song score is a tiny bit higher than Mike G's. So, we'll see if the six-track solo project plays out to Africa's benefit or his detriment. Add all those five numbers up. You divide by five, you get a final score of 4.17, which is a .01 behind Africa, which leaves Mike G tied for 67th place overall of 117 artists done. So just to recap the artists today, we had MC Light, who got a score of 4.58 and was in 39th place. We have Africa Baby Bam, who gets a 4.18, that puts him in 65th place. And we got Mike G who gets a final score of 4.17, which leaves him tied for 67th place. As far as the current list, let's get into the top 20%. I want to point out that we're getting close to the end of season one here. We, we got a, we're about a month or so out from the end of season one. I'm not sure exactly how many artists we have left, but for the rest of the 80s, we're going to stick with a top 20%. Next season, when we get to season two, we'll move down to a top 15% and we'll take it from there. Um, this list doesn't change today. None of these artists are, uh, uh, that were on today's episode cracked this top 20%, but we do go over this every week. We're going to go over it again, so I'll go over the current top 20% final list. Currently, we are at 42 artists done. So a top 20% would be 8 artists, which is exactly the same as it was last week. So we're not going to get any differences here, but I'll run through it again. In our top slot, we have KRS-One, who is overall in 6th place of 117 artists done. Behind him, we have Slick Rick, who's in 8th place of 117 artists done. Directly behind him in 9th place of 117 artists done, we have Rakim. Behind Rakim, we have Rev Run of Run DMC, who's in 12th of 117 artists done. Directly behind Rev Run, we have LL Cool J, who's in 13th place of 117 artists done. Just behind him in 15th place, we have Will Smith, 
Just behind Will Smith, we have DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube tied for 17th place of 117 artists done. So again, to run off your top 20% of who we've covered so far, we have at the top KRS-One, then Slick Rick, then Rakim, then Rev Run, then LL Cool J, then Will Smith, and then DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube tied for the last spot of your top 20% of your artists covered so far. Obviously, huge shout out to the top 20% of artists. Yay! We'll see what we get next week. We'll see if anybody gets booted out. We'll see if the list gets a little bit bigger or what the case is. But that being said, let's get into our top 10% lyrically. This obviously also doesn't change as the three artists today got fours and four and a halves. So nobody's going to crack this top 10%, but let's go over it anyway. In your number one lyrical spot, we have KRS-One with a lyrical score of seven. Behind KRS-One tied for second, we have Will Smith and Rakim with a six and a half. And then behind Will Smith and Rakim tied for fourth place, we have Big Daddy Kane and Slick Rick with the lyrical score of six. So your top 10% lyrically again is in the top slot, KRS-One, followed by Will Smith and Rakim tied for second, followed by Big Daddy Kane and Slick Rick tied for fourth. If you'd like to see any of these full lists, you can give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash podcast, all spelt normally. You can give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tapes. There's a donate button on my host site. I would appreciate anybody that hits it. Also appreciate anybody that tunes in. Again, I just want to talk about how for the most part, I look at this I look at this podcast as like almost a vault. I studied these people. I want to get the information out there. If anybody wants any of the information on any of these guys, you can always go back and look and listen on the people that interest you, whether it be, hey, this guy, I think this guy fucking sucks. How does Forms have him at 33rd overall? This guy should be 300. Go back and listen to it. Go back and check it out. Or whether it's vice versa, whether it's, you know, uh, Slick Rick is easily the greatest rapper of all time. How the hell does he have Slick Rick in, uh, you know, eighth place or whatever it is? Go back and check it out. I record, I, I've studied these things, I've researched these things, I've laid down all the information as best as I possibly could, I've vocally recorded it, it's here, I don't think it's going anywhere, um, so I kind of look at it as a fault, I don't really expect everybody to keep listening to these week in and week out, hey listen, if you have the time and availability to do it, and this interests you, again, I appreciate you tuning in, I'm glad to have you rocking with me. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that you have been able to learn something and understand what I'm talking about when I talk about somebody being technically, lyrically good, when I talk about the way that songs are scored and judged, when I talk about how each artist is scored with a giant incorporation of everything that could possibly go into that person and where I'm getting these numbers and these scores and how and why I'm getting them and talking about them and breaking them down and stuff like that. So again, man, the episodes are here, the breakdowns are here. If any of these artists interest you in any way, shape, or form, these episodes will be there. Feel free to go back and listen to them. That's pretty much it, man. I mean, that concludes today. Uh, I thought today was an interesting episode. We didn't have the very high finishes. We didn't have the the legendary names and, the, and, and things like that, but... You know, we had a really big impact from MC Light. We had a bunch of firsts today. The, you know, the Jungle Brothers were the first to blend certain genres. 
MC Light was the first solo female rap artist to drop a full-length album. A big impact there from uh, MC Light, a, a great originality score from uh, from the Jungle Brothers here. So not really the typical stuff that we had been having in the golden age of hip-hop, but some interesting and impactful things that went on here today. And uh, that really concludes episode 17. Again, an interesting episode. Next week, I'll be back for episode 18. We will have Guru and Cool G Rap on next week. So I'm excited to cover these, the both of these artists for a number of reasons. Um, me personally, I was always a pretty big fan of Guru. He's a little bit before my time in the sense that I was only like, you know, eight or nine years old or whatever, probably about eight years old when Guru came out. So I can't say that I was listening to Guru when he came out. Same with Cool G Rap, but... As I got older and I started getting more into hip-hop, I did discover Guru. I, I've spoke about how, how DJ Premier, Primo is my number one favorite producer. And Guru had a, you know, a group with DJ Premier where Premier was the only one making his beats. The group was called Gangstar. Some people may recognize the name Gangstar more than they actually do Guru. I have a couple of friends like that where when I spoke about Guru, they're like, I don't know who that is. I said, yeah, you do, bro, Gangstar. And they're like, oh, well, I thought that was Gangstar. And I'm like, no, Gangstar is the group with Guru and DJ Premier making the beats. They kind of just thought that the, the rapper's name was Gangstar. So hopefully I'm able to clear that up. The rapper's name is Guru. But me personally, I, I just always, I always was a fan of Guru. I liked him, and I, I obviously really loved Gangstar and stuff like that. Again, neither of these guys that are coming up next week are household names to where you would go say Guru or Cool G Rap to any random person on the street and expect somebody that doesn't listen to hip-hop to have any idea who these guys are. But with that being said, both of these guys are pretty much considered royalty to true hip-hop heads. So... I'm not going to call these guys underground artists. I'm not going to do that to them. I don't really think they're underground artists, but I will tell you that their value as far as true hip-hop heads is concerned is very, very high, and their value to your general public is very, very low. So we have two really contrasting things that are going to be going on next week, and uh, these are some some iconic legendary dudes. If you're really a hip-hop head and you know a lot about hip-hop, then you know that these are definitely two really, really important names that we're going to be going over next week. So if you tune in next week, I'll see you next week for episode 18, Guru and Cool G Rap. That concludes episode 17. Peace. Tell of the tapes. Might as well. <laughs>